0: If I talk loud, it's because I'm deaf. It is so loud back there now that the drums have moved. And uh, so I was telling Ryan that he's, you know, he beats the drums, but he does a great job. Um, Y'all doing okay this morning? Yeah. All right. You ready to hear the word of God this morning? All right. Cool. Awesome. Hey, but before we get there, I do, Annie told you I was going to talk a little bit about angel tree. So if I don't, she'll fire me. Uh, But, um, hey, if you've already gotten one of these, awesome If you have not yet, make sure you get one if you would like one Uh, This is what the ornaments look like that she was talking about Uh, What we have here is two things We have a a custom made by Steve Merrill himself uh, Vertical Church 2021 ornament, looks like a snowflake Um, This ornament is for you to keep, okay? This ornament is for two things One, for you to put on your Christmas tree But also to serve as a reminder for whoever it is that you have, are buying a gift for to pray for that person individually and specifically. So kind of a cool thing with that. And then this cardboard part, this is what you need to attach to your gift that you buy. Like she said, if you could put everything together in one bag, that would be super helpful. But make sure that this is whether there's an instruction, little thing of instructions on the back of that. And like she said, December 12th is the due date for that. But a couple of things I wanted to tell you is that number one, when you see this, like for me myself, um, I chose girl age five, and on the back of it, it says that she needs a coat and gloves size seven, and she loves the color purple. So I want to do my best to get her coat and gloves that are purple, uh, but know this, that somebody else, multiple of you are going to get the same little girl. So what she will be receiving is not just a coat and gloves. She'll be receiving multiple gifts from different people. So don't think that you have to go out and spend a fortune because, oh, that little girl's only going to get that. No, she's going to get a lot more, but hey, if you want to get more, you do you. That's cool. Um, And then also, um, Make sure you have those back, and you'll put those at the front of the stage no later than December the 12th. We're going to fill the front of the stage with those gifts. Um, also, I wanted to share this with you because this is super cool. So if you remember, uh, Dollar Difference this month, we took up a, a collection. Dollar Difference is something we do every single month, and you give a dollar per member of your family. Um, we raise, raise, you guys gave us almost $1,000 uh, for the month of November. And what we did with that was we did a serve day, and that serve day took place yesterday. We had some people show up, and we had basically $1,000 worth of gift cards and quarters where we went to uh, Dairy Queen here in town and Marathon, and then in Princeton, they went to Ruler Foods and to the laundromat, and it was just really cool. We met here yesterday, we prayed, we read some scripture, and then we sent everyone out, and I just wanted to share with you kind of some exciting things. I heard from uh, Amanda Smith, she had gotten a hold of and she took her kids with her to Dairy Queen. I'm going to need a mic again, Andy. Sorry, buddy. And uh, I hate handheld mics, but my mic's messing up today. Um, anyway, they went to Dairy Queen and what happened, uh, she said it was kind of crazy because some people were just like, wait, what? What are you doing? And she's like, hey, we're just here to love you. And, and so she gave them their, their uh, gift card and then gave them an invite card to invite them to church. Um, Bill and Michelle are right back there. Yeah, I'm calling you guys out because Michelle called me and she's like, Bart, this is so awesome. And she was like, going on how cool it was. And she, they, they talked to a couple uh, that had both just lost their jobs and they were able to pay for their laundry to be done and just the impact that it made. And so I just want to share and celebrate that this morning because that's why we do dollar differences, to truly show the love of Jesus. Somebody even tagged the church, yeah somebody even tagged Vertical Church and just said, hey, my laundry got paid for today. That was so awesome. Thank you, Vertical Church. And so uh, I just wanted to celebrate that. Um, so anyway, this, this today, we are in week two of this series that we're calling The Good Book, obviously talking about the Bible. Uh, last week, Rich brought a message talking about is the Bible reliable? Um, today, I'm supposed to talk about uh, is the Bible relevant? And then next week, Chris Watts is going to be speaking to us. And he was supposed to talk about uh, how do we go about understanding it? But as he and I talked, I was like, man, I I really want to dip into that, and he's like, "Cool," because I want to go a completely different direction with my message. So I stole his, and I'm doing mine, and I'm putting them together today. And so here's how what I want to tell you is: first of all, when it comes to this idea of is this book relevant, and how do we understand it? If you think about it, it's a very popular asked question. Why this is a millennia old book that we have to understand in order to apply? Yes, yeah, super annoying. I know, and uh, thank you, Andrew for Andy. Yeah, saving the day. Um, So what I'm going to do is as I was writing this, I decided I'm going to break this down into three themes, if you will. And it's going to come through as inspiration, context, and application. That's how we're going to kind of look at these. We're going to start with inspiration, go into context, and then application. So be honest with me for a second, show of hands. How many of you have ever struggled with something that was written in the Bible? Yeah, me too. Congratulations. You're what they call normal, okay? Maybe it's a thing where you're struggling with understanding what it is that the authors are even saying. Maybe it's having the faith to believe it. Maybe you've struggled with the idea of why would God say that? Why would he do that? Why would he allow certain things to happen? Uh, Maybe it's the question of how is this book relevant to my life today? You know, for people say, well, you know, it's that book's outdated. It's 2021. We know better now. That's what I want to challenge today, but I want to start off by having a little bit of fun. Will you allow me to have a little bit of fun this morning? Yeah. I made a top 10 list. Okay. Top 10 things that make Bart's life a little bit more enjoyable and productive and easier. Okay. And so what I've thought of is I was just thinking about what is it that I use every day of my life? So the top Four things are what is known as my EDC, my everyday carry. So if you ever come around me and you want to check it out you know, hold me to it, these are four things I will always have on my person at all times, okay? The first one's no surprise for some of you, it is a knife, Okay, Uh, I love you and it's no surprise. I have this obsession with sharp stabby things I don't know why I always have okay And so i'm one of those guys that i'm not into like fashion But what I do is i'm I was a boy scout always be prepared, right? So I go into my room at night and I lay my clothes out for the morning so that they are ready In case crap hits the fan or I just want to get up and go They're already ready And so what I do is I go in there and I say what knife am I feeling and I set that knife with it Sometimes it changes come morning Uh, Today, I had the Benchmade Mini Crooked River for those who are interested, which is probably no one, but now you know. Uh, Another one that that I can't leave home without, I wish I could sometimes, is my cell phone. Leaving home without your cell phone is not always a good thing, but some of you do it, okay? and some of you are less productive because of this device right here, right? Social media, games, whatever. I live through my calendar app, it feels like. I'm always saying, hey, can I meet with you? Well, let me check my calendar. I'm telling Siri every day to remind me of something. So it does make my life more productive as long as I control it. My third thing is my AirPods. They belong in my fifth pocket. I had the original AirPods. I've graduated to the AirPods Pros. Why? active noise cancellation. Get you some. Trust me. Game changer right here. If I want to drown out the world around me, um, it helps. And then fourth thing I always have on me is medicated mint Blistix. Okay? I'm a very particular person. This is what I like. Don't tell me what you use because I don't care. Medicated mint Blistix. A little hard to find sometimes. DG always pulls through. Um, another one I put down or my tumblers. Like, how many of you are drinking out of what they call a tumbler right now? One of those metal cups. Okay, awesome, cool. All right, they're, they're fantastic, right? I love them. So I, here's how I look at it, okay? If Jesus was here in the flesh in 2021, I know he would drink out of a tumbler. Why? Because he says, I want you to either be hot or cold. I don't want you to be lukewarm. I will vomit you out of my mouth. Listen, if a drink's supposed to be hot, it better be hot. I drank my coffee out of one this morning. I see you right back there. And then if it's supposed to be cold, it's supposed to be cold. I love my tumblers. Number six, I've talked about it. The gym, I love to go work out. It's kind of my safe place. Number seven is Spotify. It's like the one subscription service that I subscribe to. 10 bucks a month, so worth it. I love my music, my podcasts. It kind of goes along with my phone and the gym and my AirPods. Um, number eight, Sunglasses. I probably should have put this in my EDC. I always have my sunglasses with me, even though today I won't need them. I still brought them in in case when I leave because my eyes are sensitive and I'm blind when I walk outside. And so I got to have those. Number nine is my hoodies. I absolutely love my hoodies. I wish I could wear them year round preach, right? Yeah, there you go. Thank you. And then number 10, now listen, I saved the best for last, okay? This is, no, not pizza. <laughs> but you know, you know me too well. Listen, this one's gonna change your life. Now this is where the serious part comes in. So I've joked around a little bit. Number 10, I really want you to pay attention to this, okay? If you really truly want to transform your life, this is what you have to get. Are you ready? Yes or no? Okay, number 10, air fryer, right? Yes, an air fryer. Listen, if you go to a restaurant and you don't eat all your French fries, which I never had that issue, but you know how it is, you bring your fries back, and you put them in the microwave and they, they're, they're terrible, right? Yeah. But You put them in the air fryer and they're good as new. I had a fifth grade teacher that went around the room. I remember this. And he said, Hey, I want to know what is the greatest invention known to mankind. I remember kids were like, Oh, you know, the computer or the automobile. He's like, no, you're all wrong. It's the microwave. And I'm here to say, Mr. Jacobs, sorry about you, but the air fryer has taken the place of the microwave because it is the best. Listen, if you don't own an air fryer, what are you even doing with your lives? Okay? I'm just telling you. Listen, here's the thing. It's a lot of fun, right? But what good would it do me to have any of these things if I didn't know how to use them? Right? For some of you, you're like, well, that's me and my cell phone, right, mom? My mom just learned how to text last year. Everybody give it up for my mom. Sorry. That's what you get for being in the front row. Um, But what good would it do me? It wouldn't do me any good to own these things if I didn't know how to use them? And how often do we own something that we don't know how to use? And that's really kind of the way that we treat the Bible sometimes. I'd be willing to bet that every single person watching online in this room, first service, whatever, owns a Bible. Maybe it was a family heirloom or something. And we, we place it in our living room as, as if it's going to ward off evil spirits or something. That's not how it works. It's not this magical book like that. But if we don't know how to use it, what good's it going to do us? So what I want to do is I want to kind of dig in. I'm going to start with this idea of part one. I named it, what is inspiration really? Okay, now let me explain that. Because there's a scripture that most Christians know or have heard or they use it in order to kind of argue the legitimacy of the bible and it comes out of 2 Timothy 3:16 and 17 it says all scripture is inspired by god and is profitable for teaching for rebuking for correcting for training in righteousness so that the man of god may be complete equipped for every good work keyword in that passage is the word inspired I want to talk about that, because what does inspired really mean? Now, I talk a lot about working out, because that's what I enjoy doing, but here's the thing. I started working out at 15 years old, and nobody set me down at gunpoint and said, you better start working out or else. It wasn't like that. I was inspired. As a matter of fact, I grew up with three men in my life. These, actually, all three of these men, you, some of you know fairly well, um, and they inspired me to start working out. Van Dam, Stallone, Schwarzenegger, anybody, okay? But it's the truth. There you go, Chris. It's the truth. They, inspired, they didn't make me do it. One of our core values is, is found people, find people. Somebody inspired you at some point to make Jesus the Lord of your life. They did not set you down and torture you to do it. You were inspired based on what you saw. You were inspired by those that you looked up to. And who we are as people has come about through a process. I came across this quote this week by B.J. Neblett. I only chose it because of his last name is funny to me. But it says, We are the sum total of our experiences. Those experiences, be they positive or negative, make us the person we are. At any given point in our lives... And like a flowing river, those same experiences and those yet to come continue to influence and reshape the person we are and the person we become. None of us are the same as we were yesterday, nor will we be tomorrow. And really, it's the same exact idea and concept with the biblical writers. They wrote what they wrote according to what they just knew to be true, this was not the Holy Spirit possessing them to write this stuff down. This was not them going into a trance on a piece of parchment and just being like, nah. it wasn't like that. That's not the way that this happened. The problem is, is that we've been made to believe that inspiration equals dictation. And that's just not the case. You see, the whole idea of, of inspiration to write the scriptures was a process, not an event a process because it was their worldview. They wrote according to what they knew, what they saw, what was around them, the culture. It wasn't an event where they just all of a sudden got taken over and they're locked away in some basement somewhere and they sort of write in this stuff without even thinking about it. This next line, it's a little wordy. I, I apologize, but it made sense to me. It's, inspiration was not possessive dictation. It was divinely inspired, free will, humanistic authorship. God choosing people for who they are doesn't mean that he's not in control. God using humans to write the Bible does not mean that he wasn't in control of getting his point across. You know, it's said that all scripture is inspired by God and what we just read, the, the kind of the problem is, is that God was using people from basically 95 AD all the way back to 1500 BC, possibly even 2000 BC with the book of Job to write the Bible. And what did they do? They wrote according to their worldview. I would say the worldview for Job, the book of Job was even different from the worldview of John writing Revelation in 95 AD. That's a 2000 year difference. So yes, the Bible is a divine book, but it's also a very human book. I read something this week that I liked. It said, you'll see it on the screens, embracing the humanity of the Bible is enormously helpful for understanding what's in the Bible and why it says the things that it does. Kind of plain and simple is that the biblical writers were not, they were, they were instruments used by God. They were people, humans, but they were instruments. They were not Um, puppets. They were not robotic in nature. It wasn't a thing where they were dictated to. God said, hey, this is the truth. Now go write it. But he did inspire them to say the things that he wanted said. And I wrote this down, that the Bible's humanity almost relieves us from defending flawed ideas of what it is. In other words, this whole idea of apologetics, it's not apologizing for anything. It's arguing for your faith in something. In this particular case, the Bible. And the Bible's humanity, understanding that it has humanity as part of it, in the way that it was written, really does relieve us from defending flawed ideas. So when people come at us, and they're like, listen... There's no way that this is true. God knows better. Yeah. But He used humans to do it. So we can never look at the idea of, you know, well, we should really argue against it when they expect the Bible to be something that it isn't. You have to understand what it is, and then you argue for that. Don't ever argue for what it is not. Now, why is all this important? Okay? So if you take one single solitary thing away from today's message, well, maybe, maybe this would be the second. The first one would be air fryer. But the second thing that you would take away from today's message is number two, context is key. So important. I love the way my favorite author puts it. He just simply says this, let the Bible be what it is. Listen, if I were to write you a letter, JJ, you're sticking out to me, buddy. If I were to write you a letter, okay? And I was like, I I walked outside this morning, it was wet, you know, so obviously it rained. And if I was like, dear JJ, it is raining cats and dogs today. And then I go on with my letter. What am I telling him? It's pouring, right? It's raining really hard, right? Now, if somebody one, two, 3,000 years from now were to read my letter to JJ, what would they think? that that dude's on crack, right? Like there's no way that this could be true. We know that dogs and cats don't fall from the sky when it rains. That's silly. It is a silly example, but that's how we treat the Bible sometimes. As if it's outdated or untrue or hard to believe because it's old. Because the context is different. Because the culture is different. Raining cats and dogs is just something that we say in America in, you know, I don't know, in the last 50 years, I have no idea. They wouldn't have said it then. And they probably won't say it 2000 years from now. So remember, context is key. Next thing I want you to see is this. The proper context for interpreting the Bible is the context that produced the Bible. The way that we have to produce or interpret the Bible is within its own context. One of the problems that I've run into, and I preached this for years, is that scripture interprets scripture. <clears throat> Anybody ever heard that before? I do believe it to an extent, but it's not always necessarily true. And I believe I was setting people up for failure thinking, hey, if you don't understand that, just read the surrounding verses. The problem is, is a lot of times, it still won't explain why it's saying the thing. Just, so thing my thought is, well, maybe you use the cross references and you find it somewhere else in the Bible. The problem with that is, that's not always true. The answer to the questions that you have about the Bible are not always in the Bible. And I had a conversation after first service and the guy said, but the Holy Spirit can convict you and he can teach you. That's 100% true. But at the same time, there are just some things in the Bible you're not going to get the answer to necessarily. And I have multiple examples, um, but I'll, I'll give you one. Okay. Um, in Acts 17, this is Paul speaking. And he says, for in him, we live and move and have our being, as some of your own poets have said, for we are also his offspring. How many of you have read that before? Acts 17, okay? Um, the first part, verse 28, comes from a Greek poem, okay? It's actually um, Epimenides was the guy's name. He was from Crete. Um, and it's a, it, he's, he's quoting a poem by Epimenides. That actually that line right there just became a normal saying of the day, just like raining cats and dogs. Then the second part of it, for we are also his offspring, that was actually from another poem by the Cilician poet, Aratus. But both of these lines, both of these lines that he picked out were directed at the Greek God, Zeus. And what Paul is doing is he just, he's, he's conferring that. He's correcting it saying, listen, no, no, no. Um, it would say in him, we live and move and have our being. No, it's not Zeus. It's the one true God. He's attributing it to Yahweh. But what's interesting is that Paul quotes this while in Athens. Athens is in what? Greece? And he's quoting Greek writers and philosophers who wrote about the Greek god Zeus, two Greek people while in Greece. But he didn't have to say all that to them because they would have just understood. They would have known the line that he was was saying. He didn't have to say, hey, you know that song or that poem all about Zeus? Yeah, let me tell you. No, he didn't have to say that because they would have just known. He does it at least two other times. If you want to write these down and check it out, you can. 1 Corinthians 15.33 and Titus 1.12. He does the same thing. But what he's doing is he's using it as common ground to tell people about the good news of Jesus. But it was very much a cultural thing. There's a lot of other things in the Bible like this. Uh, one of the ones we get hung up on that I'm not going to get into, but I'd love to have this conversation with you, is the idea from 1 Corinthians about head coverings you ever wonder where that idea came about, I'd love to have that conversation. Um, So one thing to remember is this context is driven by culture and we are millennia removed from the culture of the biblical writers. So we have to understand is no matter what we do in life, our context for doing it is the culture in which we have been raised right? We believe certain things because of who we've been around. We are the way that we are because of the culture that we're in. That's why if you just go to another country, it's completely literally foreign to us because it's a completely different culture. Which leads me to my next point. You've heard me say this multiple times this year. The Bible was not written to us, but it was written for us. And that can sound heretical in nature, but it's not. The Bible was never Written to us. The biblical writers wrote to their immediate audience, but it absolutely was written for us. But guess what? Their culture was much different then than ours is in 2021. But once we understand why they wrote what they wrote and we begin to understand who they were writing it to, it starts to make a whole lot more sense and that we're able to better comprehend what it was that they were trying to get across. You see, if we filter the Bible through any, like if we filter the Bible through our worldview here in 2021, or any other worldview or any other time period in history, we lose the point that the biblical authors were trying to make. And that's why understanding context is so important. If you think about it, we tend to filter this book right here, okay? We tend to take this book and we tend to filter it through our modern day thought processes. That makes no sense because it wasn't written in modern day. It was written to an immediate audience 2,000, 3,000, 4,000 years ago. And 2021 was a completely foreign context and culture to the biblical writers, So in summary, the proper context for interpreting the Bible is the context of the ones who wrote the Bible, the biblical writers. We must think like they thought. We must try to get into their head and figure out why did they say those things? What was the culture like? What was society like when they were writing this book? Part three, application. Application. When it comes to the Bible, you must use it in order to be transformed by it. There's a scripture, Hebrews 4.12. It says, For the word of God is alive and active, sharper than any double-edged sword. It penetrates even to dividing soul and spirit, joints and marrow. It, It judges the thoughts and attitudes of the heart. It's this idea of things that really can't hardly be separated at all, joints and marrow. They're almost one, right? One holds the other together, one makes up the other one, but the word of God is so alive, so active, so sharp and penetra- penetrative is that a word? that it goes in and it separates it. It's able to pierce. It reflects who you are. The Bible is relevant and able to be understood because it is alive and active. See, you can't have dead activity, right? The Bible's not a zombie, you know, we watch, we're, we're infatuated with the walking dead or all these zombies. The Bible's not like that. The Bible is alive. It is active. It is applicable to our daily lives. It can make sense as long as we are willing to allow it to make sense. As long as we are allowing to put in a little bit of work. It reflects who we are. Look what God said to the prophet Isaiah 750 years before Jesus came. God saying these words through the prophet, so my word that comes from my mouth will not return to me empty, but it will accomplish what I please and will prosper in what I send it to do. God does not speak emptiness. He spoke and the world came into being. His breath created. He breathed inspiration into the biblical writers. But what we have to remember is just like we are, so were the biblical writers imagers of God. And if we're imagers of God, and our job is to image him on the earth, to be his proxy, to be his representatives, then he is in turn allowing us to be like him and create things. In this particular instance, to create writings. And they did it according to their worldview because they did not know of any other worldview. But anytime God speaks, there is always a purpose. He says it. He says, it will not return to me empty. In other words, God doesn't waste his breath. And in the end, his will will be accomplished because his word is alive and active. If we go back to 2 Timothy, I'm going to read it again, but I want you to pay attention to the end specifically. All scripture is inspired by God and is profitable for teaching, for rebuking, for correcting, for training in righteousness so that the man of God may be complete, equipped for every good work. The Bible equips us for the work of ministry that every single one of us as a believer is called to. The Bible equips us to be the church of Jesus Christ. I had this conversation just the other day, this, or yesterday actually, when I was talking to the people out here that were gonna go and, and do our serve day. Is that one of my favorite sayings that the church is leaving the building? It's so easy to be a Christian in here, isn't it? It's hard out there. But this book right here is what equips us to be able to live that life out there. It gives us parameters, It gives us boundaries to live within. And yes, it is relevant even to today. We just have to understand it. So kind of what I want to do is just end this by answering three questions that I get asked quite often. Maybe you have, maybe it's, maybe it's a question that you have. I just thought it'd be a little bit of fun. So um, the first one I want to answer is this. <clears throat> Which version of the Bible should I read? Okay, so go ahead, ask me that question. I'm so glad you asked that. Okay, here's my answer to that question: the one that you will. Okay, because here's what I know: some people are KJV only. Maybe you were raised with that. Um, maybe okay. So I'm gonna I'm gonna try to do this. I wish I had both hands, and I don't. So I, you know. Um, but on this end of the spectrum, you have books or Bible translations like ESV. In ASB, word for word translations, okay? In other words, like when the biblical writers were writing something, <clears throat> I always use this as an example. Like the word uh, love in Greek, there's four different words, eros, philo, storge, and agape, right? And, and, and they all mean different things. And somebody earlier said something about, I love pizza. It's because I showed a picture uh, a while back of three things, and it was pizza, the gym, and my daughter. And I said, hey, I love all these things, Right? But essentially what I'm doing is I'm equating the love of my daughter with the love of pizza. And that's just not the case. So when the biblical writers wrote these, and they had these four different words for love, but it gets translated into English. We just call it what? Love. That's not what they meant. So you have word for word that hey, I, there's literally a word here and I want to try to put it into English, but they only have one word love. So we're just going to put love. Then on the other end of the spectrum down here you've got things like maybe like the nlt any nlt users don't be ashamed because it's awesome i'm just gonna tell you right now it is awesome okay um so which version should you read The one that you will. Now, I will tell you um, that what do I use? It doesn't matter what I use, but I'll just tell you what I use. Uh, I use the CSB, okay, the Christian Standard Bible. Two reasons for this. Probably the biggest reason for this is because I got an email that said, hey, if you're a pastor, we'll send you a free Bible. And I just saw free. And so here it is. This is the free one I got. And, uh, but I like, you know what, I've been wanting to kind of venture out a little bit anyway. And so I started reading it and I loved what it does because what the CSB does, which by the way, it's the one that we sell in the merch store. I'm not trying to make money. In fact, we lose money on those Bibles just so you know. Um, but the reason we sell that Is just simply because I order them. That's the only reason. But we sell this little one and we sell study Bibles as well. The reason I chose that, other than the fact that it was free, is because over here you've got word for word. Over here you've got thought for thought. And this one's kind of in the middle. Maybe a little more here, but kind of in the middle. And what I like about that is whereas there's not a direct word to be translated... It will give you an idea. Maybe it uses two words, three words, a phrase, whatever it might be. This one typically uses more just like one or two extra words. NLT might use a phrase. Listen, just read the Bible. That's it. And as you go along, you might find a translation that you prefer. You don't have to buy the ones that we sell. Go down to, I always tell people, go to uh, the vineyard and find some Bible verses that you like, that you're familiar with. Sit down, put a semicircle of Bible translations in front of you and just compare. See what you like. So I hope that helps. Second question I want to answer is what tools should I use other than my Bible? When it comes to studying the Bible, what tools should I use? Now listen, number one, this is not an exhaustive list. Number two, uh, this doesn't mean it's the right list. This is just Bart's list. Okay. So you, you do you, whatever you want. I'm just trying to help out. Uh, number one, first and foremost, hands down, in my opinion is a study Bible. Okay. If you have one thing, Get a study Bible. You can take it with you. It's physical. If an EMP goes off and you lose your phone, you have got a physical study Bible, okay? In that, find one with good study notes. The one that we sell here, I love it. It's the one that I use. It is the, that, that one I told you about earlier, but you don't have to get that one. Find one that you like and use that. The second thing I would say is the Bible app. Many of you use this Version Bible app. There's many, but that's the most popular one, which by the way, it just hit a half of a billion downloads Just something to celebrate, that God's getting the Bible in the hands of many people all across the world. So awesome. Um, It's free, devotionals like crazy on there. And uh, it even reads to you, which I really like. And so um, the Bible app, Uh, The last three are where it gets a little bit nerdier. The first one I would say would be the Blue Letter Bible. BlueLetterBible.org or the app. They're both free. If you want to break down some words and understand their meaning a little bit more, things like that, this is a fantastic way to do it. Completely free. Uh, Number four is commentaries. Okay? Now you'll see I I put up there slash cultural background study Bible. That's just an example. Uh, It's really not, I mean, I guess it is a commentary, but it's actually a study Bible that you can buy. NIV, KJV, and NKJV I believe are the three translations that it has. I have that in my Um, In my Bible software. I use it very often. Uh, I love it. But the only reason I put that up there in particular is because with this message today, it really helps you to understand context, Uh, ancient Near Eastern context to be specific. So if you want to understand the culture context, why it says what it says, that's a great one. But there's like Matthew Henry's commentary. There's all kinds of commentaries you can get, um, but commentaries. And the fifth one, it's pretty pricey, but it's Logos Bible software. That's what I use. I absolutely love it. It was included in my tuition, so I guess I really did, I paid for it, but, um, it, but this, it, it's pricey, there's a big learning curve to it, but if you want to go deep, you can buy all this different stuff to go in there. Anyway, I'm just trying to help out, because what these things do is it allows you to understand the relevancy of the Bible, but also um, understand what the Bible is saying. So there's Endless tools that you can use, way more than what I have here. And I'm sure many of you prefer other things, and that's great. Um, this is just to help out those. Maybe you're a little bit new to this or you're wanting to know what that next step would be. Uh, maybe try one of those. The last question I want to answer, and it's the most common one I get, actually, I got it two times, um, I think last week, is where do I start? Okay? Where do I start? There's really no right answer to this. Um, if you are um, uh, super you know, nerdy, want a lot of information, yeah, you can start in Genesis and you're going to love it. You're going to love Genesis. You're going to love Exodus. Then you're going to Le- get to Leviticus and, and you're going to be like, this is weird. Uh, There's a reason for it all. But again, context. Um, So do what you want. You can start at the beginning in Genesis. um, But there's other places maybe that might be more beneficial for you to start. For me personally, if you're new to the faith, you've never gotten in the Bible before, you need to learn about Jesus. Okay, Uh, A lot of people will tell you to start in the book of John. I won't argue that. Um, The book of John is different than the other three gospels, Matthew, Mark, and Luke, or the synoptic gospels. John's a little bit different because most of the information in that is specific to that book. Um, But if you want a whole lot of Jesus, Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John, just go in that order, go through it, you'll see similarities. Um, And then once you're done with that You've got to read the book of Acts. I just tell you that because it's my favorite book. Um, but it's awesome because what you see is they take this message of Jesus, Acts 2, at the very beginning of the, of the whole book of Acts in Acts chapter 2. They receive the Holy Spirit at Pentecost and then, then they just go crazy for Jesus and they go out and they start to reach people for Jesus and just, and just telling everybody about who Jesus is. Um, once you're done with Acts, uh, you'll go into Paul's letters, you'll go into Hebrews, James, Peter's letters, 1st, 2nd, 3rd, John, Jude, and then finally Revelation. Don't start in the book of Revelation, okay? It's very symbolic in nature, and you will be like, what am I reading? You'll be like, Bart must have wrote that book because he was on crack. No, it is, it's awesome, it's a great book, um, but nobody really truly has it all figured out, but it, I, I do love it. Uh, another thing I would tell you this is too, if you do want to read through the entire Bible, I would highly recommend doing it chronologically, okay, in the order in which it was written. That does not mean you're going to start in the book of Genesis all the way through. There's overlaying stories throughout. Uh, the Bible app, Version Bible app, has many different chronological plans. Most of them are usually a year long. I did a year long one uh, a couple of years ago, and I finished it in 10 months. That's how awesome I am, right? No, because here's the thing. I did, but I didn't learn much. Now, it's nothing wrong with it. I did, but I didn't study because every day was filled with so much scripture that I couldn't possibly take, a time, take the time and study it all. So here's what I would say to you. Quality over quantity, okay? Quality over quantity. When you read the Bible, study what it is. If you have a question, why move on? Like if you're reading something, you're like, well, I don't don't understand why that person said that. Well, why would you move on? Don't just be like, eh, well, we'll just throw that on the back burner and forget about it. No, it's in there for a reason. It's alive and active, let it be. So don't stop. If you get one sentence in, you're like, I don't understand this. Find a pastor, get online, get a commentary, whatever it might be. Figure out why you don't understand it and then move on. Utilize your study Bible. Don't just view the Bible as a box to check off every single day. You know, sometimes reading and studying the Bible, there is a stark difference, by the way, between reading and studying. Um, It can seem very daunting, very overwhelming. Um, But if I can give you one piece of advice when it comes to this idea, if you are overwhelmed by the thought of reading the Bible, um, is just start. Uh, (laughs) New Year's is coming up. And it seems like every February, well, every January, in the gym, there's a whole influx of people. And then in February, I don't see them anymore. And I've had people literally multiple times say, man, I have been in here for a month and I am not seeing the results that I want to see. To which I kindly respond something like, uh, you spent 30 years getting out of shape. You're not going to get in shape in 30 days. But then I follow up, I say, you know what though? You're 30 days farther than where you were when you started. Just start. You don't have to have it all figured out. So in summary, here's what I wrote. In order to understand the relevance of the Bible, you must understand the meaning of inspiration, which they were human writers inspired by the Holy Spirit of God. You must understand the context in which it was written, to whom and for what purpose. And then you must apply what you've learned, not just to your life, but through different study tools and methods. It's really not overwhelming. Sometimes I'm, I, I can kind of be one of those people that dives in head first, um, but don't, don't get overwhelmed. Don't get overwhelmed. Um, That's what we're here for. Uh, That's what all these tools are for. Uh, Simply put, once you understand the meaning of inspiration and you understand that it is not dictation, that these were human authors that were just getting the point across to their immediate audience that God placed in front of them, then it starts to make a whole lot more sense as to why that might seem contextually, contextually a little bit different than today. Once you understand that context is key to everything with understanding, whether it's the Bible or fixing your car or whatever it might be, it makes understanding it a whole lot easier. And then once you understand those two things, I believe that you can begin to apply those words to your lives. So I'm going to ask the, uh, the prayer team to come forward. Every single week we have a prayer team up here that is here to pray for you. And every single week they get to pray with people. And it's so awesome. Um, if you could use some prayer this morning. Maybe you know someone who can. Uh, maybe, and we got, a, we got an orange card turned in last week by a couple and they didn't ask for a single prayer. All they wanted to do was celebrate. That was super cool to be able to do with the staff this week is just to celebrate with them. Um, come up here and, and pray with these people. That's what they're here for. They would love to pray over you. They'd love to pray with you or whoever it is that needs prayer. Why? Because they love you. Because this book right here has equipped them to do so. Um, The other thing is if you are new with us this morning, we would love it if you would stop by the orange tables on your way out today. Uh, We moved them down a little bit. They're underneath the core values, I believe, um, out there on the wall. Um, But if you're new with us, I just want to say this, you matter to us. And that's why we want to meet you. We don't want to sell you anything. We just want to say hi. We'll give you a free gift for being here today, but it's not to bribe you. It's because we love you. So make sure you stop by there, say hello to them. If you have any questions, ask them. They're there to help. All right, let's pray. Let's pray. Father, we thank you for who you are. We thank you that, um, that you provided a, 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 a manual, if you will, to really get to know who you are. We thank you for more than anything for Jesus Christ and the hope that we have in him. Salvation, that's what it's all about. So Father, whether it's reading our Bible or going out and telling people about Jesus, I pray that that is our motivation is simply salvation, that this never becomes normal and it never grows old. Lord, that we would take that excitement with us into the rest of our lives. And as we read in the Bible, to set the world on fire for you. It is all about you, Jesus. May we never forget that. It's in your name we pray, amen. Thanks for being here today. We'll see you next time.